Awesome. Uh, welcome to the Into the Universe podcast. Today's episode is going to be on Stoicism. Uh, Stoicism is an ancient school of philosophy that's been getting a lot of traction in um, modern times, and it's something that we find super, super interesting and super valuable to add to your life and to your life philosophy. So we're going to be talking a little bit about the history of Stoicism, how it's added to our lives, and what what kind of things you can take from Stoicism and bring into your lives as well. All right. Hello, young kings. Hello, young queens. Um, welcome back to the Into the Adult Verse Extravaganza. Uh, today we have a, I mean, every episode special, but today we have an extra special episode um, for you. We're actually going to be uh, discussing a little bit of philosophy for your head tops today. So today we're talking about Stoicism. Uh, this is a philosophy that Fouad and I both personally practice, or at least attempt to practice in the in our daily lives. Uh, we are by no means paragons of this um, school of philosophy, but we still do our best to try and enact it. Uh, Definitely. Yeah, in our passing days. Wouldn't call myself a paragon of anything, to be honest. <laughs> not yet, not yet. Big things coming yet. soon. Exactly. Um, so, life, is a, life is a journey, right? Exactly. Part of stoicism as well, actually, but, you know, we'll get to that. <laughs> That's, oh, yeah, we definitely will. Um, so I just wanted to start quickly with a, a nice, quote. beautiful quote. <laughs> um, so Epictetus said man is troubled not by events but by the meaning that he gives them mm. Mm. that's a that's a perfect way to start it um, and I'll explain why right now so Stoicism <laughs> is a school of philosophy founded in Athens by Zeno of Citium uh, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly this is a common theme in, in, in into the adult verse sometimes I don't <laughs> pronounce things correctly uh, hopefully you guys aren't bothered by it but yeah so founded in Athens um it's part of the Hellenistic school of philosophy. So that's like a school of philosophy that states, starts from the end of Arist- Aristotle to kind of uh, the Neoplanetism era. I don't, I don't know how to pronounce it either. But basically, it's from a school of philosophy. And the main teachings of Stoicism teach that virtue, the highest good, um, is based on knowledge and that the ideal virtuous man lives in harmony with divine reason. Um and that divine reason is what kind of what governs nature. So being in line with nature and uh, being in line with nature also means being indifferent to the vicissitudes of fortune, pleasure and pain. And so kind of going back to uh, what Damien said, like being in, indifferent to uh, the vicissitudes of fortune, pleasure and pain. For those of you who don't know what vicissitudes mean, yeah. uh, I'm studying this currently because it's a GRE word and I'm writing my GRE test. Next yeah, I was week. like, what the hell does that mean? I was about to look it <laughs> but, up. It, it basically means like the, the shifts in fortune, right? So like changes oh, okay. and, and like shifts in fortune and stuff like that. So basically, yeah, like throughout the ups and downs of life, like staying indifferent to that, staying indifferent to kind of like, you know, drastic changes in mood and things like that and self-regulating and being very disciplined. Um, in other words, like being above the trifles of life and staying true to your morals, not worrying about what you can't change, but worrying about what you can't change and what you can't affect. Mm-hmm. Um, and it teaches that, kind of the goal in life is to live in accordance with nature and it advocates for the development of self-control and fortitude as a means of overcoming kind of like these vicissitudes and these destructive emotions. Um, So yeah, I don't know if you have some thoughts on that as well. Yeah. I mean, just kind of like piggybacking on that, um, just that dispassion kind of reaction or response, I should say better yet, um, to events in life is kind of like the, 
uh, the cornerstone of what stoicism is um, and like just to reiterate what you said so basically you know if you are presented with some sort of obstacle a problem anything like that and you have something you know that there's a solution that you can um, implement then there's no point in stressing about that situation because you already have a solution and conversely if there's nothing that you can do it's out of your hands then there's no point in stressing about it because you know there's nothing you can really do about it and stress is only going to cause undue worry for your for yourself mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. i like i think that's my favorite part about stoicism is the rationality the rash yeah the rationality that's like imbued in every aspect of it and it really is an operating system for thriving in high stress environments and it allows you to make better decisions because you're not you're not just reacting you're actually responding to what's happening and you know right now we are living in an incredibly stressful and incredibly uncertain time so i think this is something that you know it will if you can start to practice stoic philosophy this it, it may not necessarily help you make the it it won't necessarily be like the like an incredible three months where you turn your life around but you can perhaps implement it to be able to kind of reflect on this time as a sacred time where you're able to learn a lot about yourself um, about the way the world works and you can help yourself understand how to navigate it better um, especially you know as students or young professionals who are just about to start on their career um, who are kind of faced with, you know, job uncertainty or if any students are about to go back to school in the fall, you know, having to go back to those online classes and certain experiences where, you know, say you were going to be in the lab, but now you're going to have to do that virtually, you know, it doesn't Mm. really pan out the exact same way. You don't get those same experiences. For sure. But being able to um, leverage stoicism and looking at the situation from a global processing perspective POV, so like a big picture POV, as opposed to worrying about those little details, you can still try and figure out, okay, you know, I'm in this position right now. How can I still make the most of it? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. yeah, go ahead. No, no, I absolutely love that. And I think, you know, stoicism talks a lot about like virtue and good and all that. But I think the the most poignant part of stoicism that has been adopted and stoicism has become like increasingly popular in modern times. And I think that's due to a number of reasons. Like one of the things you mentioned is that, you know, we are living in like more turbulent times in that sense. We're like things bombarding us all the time that are out of our control. And, you know, social media and news being the way it is, like we have access to a lot of news that is out of our control, right? Mm -hmm. More so than we did in the past. Um, Even though, you know, stoicism is an age old philosophy. And so you can tell that these sort of ideas about, you know, things being out of our control and things like that are universal problems. Like they've been plaguing humanity since like, 150 bc like it's not just like a problem that we're coming across in modern day life but i think it's definitely you know taking on a different tone and that's one of the reasons why it's been becoming more popular and even though stoicism does talk about like that virtue and things like that i think uh popular treatments of stoicism continually stress that um you know some things are up to us and other things are not up to us and it's like critically important to distinguish between those two schools Mm -hmm. of thought right and so most of a, a lot of today's stoicism actually cite Um, there's this famous prayer it's called the serenity prayer I don't know if you've heard it but um, it goes God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change courage to change the things I can and the wisdom to know the difference between the two Um, so that's like a a pretty poignant prayer in Christianity Uh, I'm not I'm not Christian personally and stoicism doesn't really lend itself to any religion but um, I think it just does a really good job of kind of summing that up like yeah um, accept the things you can't change change the things you 
like have the courage to change the things you can and make sure you're wise enough to know the difference between that. And I think that's more evident than ever right now, especially. Mm. And that's something I've been struggling personally with as well with COVID and work from home. And I've said on this podcast multiple times, I hate work from home. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely somebody who prefers to be in the office. Um, but it's one of those things that I think stoicism can teach us a lot about because, you know, this isn't a situation that's in our control. Uh, unless you're Donald Trump and you have the ability to open up everything, <laughs> even if you're Donald Trump and you have you don't really have the ability to open up anything, because obviously the governors are not going to follow through on that. Um, but yeah, like it's just a it's a really good point to keep in mind. Like some some things right now aren't in our control, right? Like we can't control going back to work right now. We can't control you know our favorite restaurant being closed or maybe even going out of business. But it's really about you know not riding the highs and lows of that emotion, but like tempering that in that sense and really focusing on what you can change and what you can change is surprisingly a lot, you know, Mm -hmm. in today's increasingly online world, um, we had, we just had an episode about networking, but you know, you can still coffee chat anyone in the world. Like, yeah, just because coffee shops are closed doesn't mean you can't have a virtual coffee. In fact, I've been having more coffee chats now that, you know, things are online and virtual because people have more time. They aren't commuting, you know, they're like, they have a lot more free time in the evenings The video chats, pretty low commitment because you don't have to travel anywhere, things like that. Right. So, um, so yeah, I think it's really important to focus on those things you can't control, especially now. Absolutely. Um, and again, like just reiterating stoicism is probably like the best tool, um, that you can implement in your life to really enforce that to the highest level. Um, so in looking at, I mean like, yeah, so there's still that question in the air, like, you know, like what, really is stoicism like how do you practice it um what are the tenets uh and we discussed a bit of it but i ran into this um, table that kind of contained or encapsulated everything that you needed to know about um stoicism awesome okay uh, yeah the three by three um chart so there's two like yeah so there's one so yeah so the x or there's an x okay not necessarily an x and y axis but there's two kind of columns to it yeah. Um, the first contains three parts of the self, which determine how you navigate your life. And, you know, for both of these columns, there's a sequential order to it, which I'll kind of touch upon um, after I just kind of briefly um, describe them. But first, and this is where all stoicism starts, it starts with perception. So first you perceive the world and its events, which prompts you to desire certain outcomes while wanting to avoid others. Mm-hmm. The second, those two prompt you to want to act in certain ways while refusing to do other things. And thirdly, whether your will allows or rejects any given impulse determines what you'll actually end up doing. So again, just the first is perception, second is action, and the third is will. And mm-hmm. the okay. will can, um, the will is kind of like that final kind of rate determining step that can prevent or allow your action to proceed. Mm, Um, Yeah. So the idea is that like the better you get at perceiving the world, the faster you become at cataloging impulses, which in turn kind of makes it easier for you to give into the right ones and block the rest. So this, Mm -hmm. this really is a matter of practice. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's kind of one of the hallmarks of being a stoic is it requires daily practice, which for most, and I've seen a lot, Uh, in doing kind of research for it where people were kind of attributing journaling as a fundamental tenet of stoicism like you can't have Mm. one without the other Mm -hmm. um and you know i think that definitely goes with the perception layer of stoicism right like journaling is is a practice that kind of lends itself to 
increased aware self-awareness right like being exactly. able to evaluate yourself and your own reaction to things is a fundamental aspect of journalism and that sort of self-reflective period at the end of the day i think really really lends itself to that perception point of stoicism that's exactly what um like marcus aurelius did too um and mm -hmm. I, I i will talk more about um, definitely i have, I have a whole section oh you do me too yeah, yeah i'm so yeah, excited to talk notes, about yeah. it <laughs> yeah. okay um but moving on um so the other column you get the three disciplines that shape or sorry um yeah so the uh we get the three disciplines that shape our perception action and will so for these three things the first we must study and learn more about the world and our place in it so this kind of entails understanding which events can we influence what events or practices are best for the common good and most importantly what is true and you know that's a very abstract thing i'm not trying to dive into this whole philosophical debate about truth because <laughs> that is just i don't know it's yeah. a slippery slope um so the first study second this learning enables us to practice certain behaviors and characters uh, and character traits like duty taking initiative and good judgment mm -hmm. and lastly by practicing these things we receive excellent training in the highest goods of the stoics discipline mm -hmm. justice courage and wisdom so there mm -hmm. is this sequential order you had to work through, and it's important to remember that all it takes is just this, this catalyst, this rippling effect to kick in, and then it kind of just all snowballs eventually. So you keep practicing, and you work mm -hmm. your way up from that initial perception, and at the highest form, you're supposed to be, supposed to gain wisdom, right? Which makes mm -hmm. sense. You know, like all wisdom starts with understanding yourself, mm -hmm. and understanding how you, you your your place in the world, how you react to these things, um, etc that really does lend itself to wisdom by that definition. So. Mm -hmm. Cool. So yeah. quick question for you. Yeah. Um, which one of those like intersections in terms of that column that uh, that column and row like mm -hmm. matrix thing that you just described, do you think speaks to you the most? Because I was going to say that um, <clears throat> I've talked a lot about on this podcast, like how I believe in intentionality. Um, mm -hmm. And I think intentionality is like one of my key tenets of like, you know, my personal philosophy. Um, you know, like planning things out for very specific intentional reasons and like, you know, not just like kind of going with the flow in that sense. Like, don't get me wrong. I love to, I love like chance encounters and, and that sort of stuff. And I'm a firm believer that, you know, some of those have the chance to change your life. But um, I do believe in going into things with very intentional goals. So like, whether it's through my reading, my reading is a good example, actually. Um, and I was having a conversation with a friend about this recently, but um intentionally planning what you're going to read rather than just reading whatever book is popular at the moment really right. lets you get the most out of you know what you're trying to get out of reading like why do you want to read in the first place is it to gain knowledge on these certain topics is it to you know eventually be able to write about this like is it to you know kind of expose your own ignorance is it to relax like you know regardless of whatever reason you have to read having a plan and keeping that reason in mind allows you to be much more effective and efficient with your time reading um so that's just one example in which i think intentionality is one of my central tenets and so you know kind of bringing that back to stoicism um i think intentionality is definitely driven by self-perception mm -hmm. um because the better you're able to perceive your needs and wants the better you're able to kind of filter your actions to like speak to that and filter out the noise as well, right? So when you're eight, when you're at most in tune with your self-perception, you're at most in tune with what actions you can take to like continue that self-perception or to like lead towards that self-perception. And then also, you know, the will comes along with that too, because um, if you have a strong self-perception and 
you, you're doing the actions, then you'll have the will to continue along with those actions and mm-hmm. have that daily self-discipline. Um, so yeah, I was just wondering what your kind of thoughts and takeaways are from that matrix. Like, how have you seen that play out in your own life? So um, I definitely echo um, what you said about intentionality. Um, mm-hmm. I, sw- I Especially with the philosophy like Stoicism, I feel like perception is that one thing you cannot circumvent. Like, you can't skip that step. Mm-hmm. Um, it is it's foundational foundational yeah. and you have to have to kind of master that before moving forward because with that perception that's when you start to recognize um, what's in your control and what's not and once you can start being honest with yourself about it everything else in life is under your control kind of so to speak um, or at least like whatever it is you know um, <laughs> but being able to to master yourself um, I think that's going to be the biggest strength you can give yourself for sure moving forward because you know there's going to be a lot of things events in your life that will you know alter just states of consciousness the way that you're interacting with other people the way that you're pursuing your goals um and you know there's going to be the ups there's going to be the downs and making sure that you're kind of like the driver throughout that whole thing and as opposed to being the passenger through life Mm -hmm. if you can understand um, again, like starting from that foundational block, if you can understand like what it is and isn't in your control, then you can set the agenda for your own life. Um, yeah, so I, I think we absolutely understand, echo that that is like the most imperative thing. Yeah, just a quick thought on that. I think we talked about this before, but always an interesting analogy. The the whole NPC versus being the main character in your video game. Mm-hmm. Like I, it just reminded me of that. Like you really want to be the main character in your video game. You want to be the one making decisions. You don't want to be an NPC in somebody else's video game you know what i mean mm-hmm. um but yeah sorry uh npc stands for non-playable character if any of you are wondering so it's those guys that just like sit on the side and give you quests and things like that but yeah, yeah. sorry continue no it's just, i mean i was pretty much done but like it decreasing decreasing that emotional reactivity to things is really a superpower especially mm-hmm. considering how like you know i'm going to say like 90 percent of people really haven't mastered that skill yet and most mm-hmm. people really are just reacting and emotional reactivity is the worst kind of reactivity because that completely clouds your judgment Mm -hmm. yeah there's a there's a good stoic quote about this um too that kind of goes along with that idea events are not up to us but judgments about events are up to us so uh with that like i want to kind of get into uh meditations by marcus aurelius uh it's like a very very popular stoic work of literature um it's actually funny because it's not even like a, a cohesive work of literature it's actually a collection of 12 books that Marcus Aurelius kind of like really just compiled from his personal writings. And one of the interesting things about um, meditations, and I think one of the reasons it's so popular is that Marcus Aurelius wrote it for himself. He definitely wrote it as like a, you know, in a very accessible language and kind of a way for him to guide his own self-improvement and uh, a source for his own like moral guidance. Mm -hmm. Um, And because of that, it's very accessible to read for a lot of people, even in the translated versions. Um, and I think it also like is, is very relatable because even though he was a statesman, like, um, some of the ideas he thinks, uh, like he speaks to are very universal. Um, so and yeah, even, definitely really, sorry. Not even, not even just a statesman. He was the most powerful man in the world at that yeah, time. Um, at that time. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So it's interesting how like, you know, those ideas are universal and like thousands of years later, literally thousands of years later in a yeah. society that's completely different we're kind of coming back to some of these teachings and, and some of these teachings are being more and more like echoed throughout, throughout history. Um, but um, I think I wanted to talk about some of my key, t- key takeaways from the book and, you know, we, we could talk about yours as well, but some of the things I think he focused on were finding one's place in the universe. Um, 
the realization that everything comes from nature and returns to it in due time, uh, maintaining focus and being without distraction in order to maintain strong ethical principles, i.e. being a good man, uh, avoiding indulgence in sensory affections, and his claim that the only way a man can be harmed by others is to allow his reaction to overpower him. Um, so we'll talk about each of those in due time. But um, I think the first one was finding one's place in the universe. And I think this is kind of like a key tenet of stoicism. And it's one I think that is probably the most inaccessible to us in our modern age, mm-hmm. um, especially surrounding the idea of nature and returning to nature and one's place in the order of nature. Uh, because I think, you know, in modern times, that's become increasingly subverted by our power of technology and our, you know, industrialization as as nations. Um and so I think it's it's really important and it's a really cool feature of stoicism that, you know, doesn't necessarily not apply, but it's changed in interpretation, I think, as time has gone on. And one of the mm-hmm. ways that I like to interpret that is being reminded of death um, is kind of the biggest way that I feel that I can be, you know, in tune with nature, especially as somebody who kind of lives in more urban environments. And, you know, I don't really have the opportunity or access to nature like on a larger scale like i don't live in like a rural environment or anything like that one of the biggest ways i kind of experience nature is being reminded of death and being reminded that you know um, as a human being um, while i might feel like i'm a god while i'm alive i do have to return to the earth Mm -hmm. and yeah so i just wanted to hear your thoughts on kind of those two points so the memento mori is the memento mori yeah exactly yeah um it's again like one of the um stoicism tenets um, and it's basically just Latin for remember your death. Um, and it's not meant to be this, um, like somber, like reminder, like, oh shit, like you're about to, you know, kick the bucket. It's more <laughs> so supposed to be like a motivating force, you know, like you have limited time left. Um, mm. don't worry about those, you know, those, those, um, irre- like irrelevant, like little minor mistakes or annoyances that, um, and come across your path as you're going through life. Just try and make the most of the time that you have right now. And I just also wanted to take a quick step back and talk about um, like Marcus or how do you describe him? Do we have to say his whole name? Marcus Aurelius? Yeah. Mark. We'll talk about Mark real quick. Mark. Our boy Mark. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, like I, it's easy for, I guess I want to say like quote unquote, a regular person to talk about stoicism when, you know, we don't compared to some more powerful um, individuals on the planet it seems like our most of our uh, problems are very pedestrian and you know it's it shouldn't really be cause for much stress when you have here like you know mark was he was the emperor during one of like the greatest plagues um in history and despite all this he was still regarded as one of the greatest um leaders in history right and mm-hmm. he gained the respect and um, universal verdict of the people around him was that he proved himself worthy of that title. And even like um, Machiavelli, who's like the uh, the father of modern day political science or political mm-hmm. philosophy, he considers the time of rule under Marcus to be the like this golden time, right? Mm-hmm. And the reason why meditations by like his book proves to be so special and unique is that it wasn't meant for anybody else's eyes. Like it was the, the um, I forgot the the actual like Latin name of the book was, but it was titled um, to himself. So nobody mm-hmm. else was supposed to look at it. And I think the reason mm-hmm. that's so special is because you know when you go out to publish 
a work that's going out in the public we want to like glamorize it we want to embellish dress it things up. exactly yeah. right this is completely humble this is just um honest thorough like words to himself and that is so beautiful um i think um yeah yeah no uh, super super great point yeah there wasn't even a title assigned to it like some of these notes are just like literally compiled from his from his you know personal writings and mm-hmm. meditations is is just like a, a title slapped on by like 20th century historians or whatever but there isn't really like that sense of it being a complete work and i think that's where it, it kind of derives its most value too because i don't think there is like a complete work that can encapsulate like an ideology like this you know what i mean like i think it's very much and you know socialism kind of speaks to that in the sense that it's very practical it's how can this apply in my life right now how can i make the decisions to you know stay true to this and also like lead to an effective life an effective efficient morally upstanding virtuous life right um yeah i think that's a that's a pretty big key and that kind of leads me to the next point was maintaining focus and being without distraction in order to maintain strong ethical principles i.e his idea of being a good man and there's a there's a really good quote that actually is from the book um and it's waste no more time arguing what a good man should be be one um, and I think that's, that's one of my favorite quotes, actually. I, I quote that quite often in, in, uh, <laughs> in my group chat, whenever I'm arguing with anyone. Really? Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, but, um, I think it, you know, it, it kind of encapsulates stoicism so well. So that's a waste no more time arguing what a good man should be, be one. So yeah, that just cap, encap, encapsulates so much of stoic philosophy in it. Um, mm-hmm. the idea of, you know, all these pedantic conversations around morality and, and all these like, you know, like different rabbit holes we can go into in terms of discussion and debate. But really, you know, the best man is the one who is a good man. Um, and regardless of how, how long you argue these things, sometimes like it's it's helpful to look at these from a pragmatic way. And don't get me wrong, I think there's a there's a place for academia and there's a place for, you know, like this kind of academic rhetoric around, you know, philosophy and things like that. But I think for the majority of people, they're not really looking to have this kind of academic rhetoric and even if they're interested in it and that's not to say that they aren't smart enough to have this rhetoric um, because you know i don't i don't believe in dissing half of humanity mm-hmm. but i think on a pragmatic level most people are looking for something that can apply to their life and you know that is first and foremost trying to embody the values that you have and stoicism really provides a platform for you to do that versus you know just providing an ideological backing for that mm-hmm. so a couple thoughts on that um first um, so, like, typically, like, they distinguish between the logic of the rhetorician versus the logic of the philosopher. And, mm-hmm. you know, like, f- philosophical arguments tend to be more robust and, like, the the level of thought put into it is a lot deeper than those of the rhetorician. Mm-hmm. Um, and rhetoricians, or rhetoric is more so suited for, like, politicians, which uh, is reflected in Marcus Aurelius. So, mm-hmm. he wasn't really considered to be, like, this great like philosophical figure or anything like that he was just Mm -hmm. you know he had a way with words Mm -hmm. um but i love so like kind of like exactly what you're saying and how this is more so like a toolkit for action rather than something that you know you just sit around with your boys um and you just like discuss all day you know like what does it really mean to be a good man like Mm -hmm. there's no point in like just wasting time talking about it just go out and just do it Mm -hmm. right it's definitely not metaphysics yeah 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 like there are exactly like there are aspects of it which is meta but it's more so when that it comes to understanding yourself as opposed to like these ideological figures or like archetypes 
Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just like in that lens, you know, it really is a philosophy for the masses. And like, I love that because most of these other things, they tend to be reserved for the more arcane groups, like, you know, the academics, like you were saying. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is something for everybody, for sure. And it's something that reminds us that given it's something for the masses, it really shows us that we're all kind of in this together. Like we are one body. We're all like one hive together. And, you know, it's that notion that helps us understand when, or going back to your point, how you mentioned, oh, actually, I think you were, wanted to reserve that for a different section. But the um, the uh, the evil that men do harms you only if you, uh, only if oh, no, it allows you to do it. For okay. sure, yeah. So yeah. just to uh, reiterate that, the evil that men do harms you only if you do evil in response. Mm-hmm. Um, how Stoicism helps to kind of curb that is that, yeah, like exactly, understanding that we are all part of this one hive. And anything that harms the hive harms us as individuals that comprise it as well. Or like we are all one body as well, right? You wouldn't want your left arm fighting with your right arm. You want everything working cohesively together. So it's important to try and understand, um, other, like whenever somebody comes to you with dissenting, dissenting like opinions, or you know you're at work or something, and a customer just comes up and starts blowing up in your face. And again, going <laughs> back to like that fundamental tenet of perception, you know, understanding like what do you control and what don't you control. You can't control mm-hmm. this other customer just mm-hmm. being a little bitch, you know, like. I, that comes from the heart, man. Like some of these customers are really tough to deal with, but thank God. <laughs> so many characters out here, bro. <laughs> uh, but like, imagine if you looked at every situation situation in life that way, right? So like the weather, annoying people, um, your mood, frustrations at work, even disastrous events. It like would COVID. all, yeah. yeah, like like COVID, exactly. Like these things, yeah. like they will just kind of just be kind of bubbling up around you, and you're just moving through life completely undisturbed. Like they're there, but you don't really pay it too much mind. Um, but things like effort and goodwill and hope, you know, being a good person, those are going to be at an all-time high because those are fully within your control. Mm-hmm. So if you just keep those, you know, put your blinders on, just focus on those things, um, it allows for a way more empathetic society. So we definitely yeah. need to pick up stoicism. We need to just, I, I want stoicism to be more widespread and make it more accessible. Yeah. Definitely. Like I have so many thoughts coming from, from what you just said, but uh, sort of on your last point in terms of focusing on the things you could control. Um, I feel like I always talk about, you know, getting jobs and, and the job search and like, you know, it's definitely been a big part of my life, but um, it, it's interesting how stoicism applies to that too. I was actually having a conversation yesterday um, with somebody over like video chat and um, there's like a really interesting analogy you can draw here. So like, let's say that, you know, it's true that um, a lot of jobs is, is just luck, right? Sometimes you get lucky. Sometimes you get noticed by the right recruiter. Sometimes you just happen to have the same interest as somebody. You know, sometimes you re- connect with the right person by chance. And, you know, that does lead to, like, tangible career benefits and things like that, right? Um, but let's say that, like, you know, luck can be modeled by probability, right? So um, let, let's take somebody over three years of their, or over four years of their career, and let's say that every year that they work hard, they gain a 20% chance of the positive outcome, which is, you know, getting their dream job. And then we model somebody who doesn't do that, but, you know, because they're lucky, they still have like a 5% chance of getting, or like because of luck is is kind of like inherent in the job field, they have a 5% chance of getting their dream job. Mm -hmm. And you take these people and you model them over four years. And, you know, if you take 100 people, then five out of those 100 people, you know, will get their dream job in their first year regardless of the amount of work they put in. And if you do that vice versa, you know, you take the people that are working hard after the first year, it's only 25%, right? 
right? Mm-hmm. Because they've in- increased their, you know, margin by 20% and they already have the 5% of luck, right? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, t- that doesn't seem like much, right? Like, you know, that's like a, a one in four chance versus like a one in 20 chance. And like, you know, it still might seem to you that, you know, you're somebody who's working really hard, but you still see other people, maybe in your friend group, maybe without your friend group, but you see other people getting like, oh, like this big company, first co-op, super easy, right? Mm-hmm. And you're like, man, like, you know, they just had it easy. Like I had to work so hard, whatever, right? But really, uh, I think a big thing to notice here is that hard work doesn't have a linear proportionality to outcome. And so what happens is that the next year you do it, you know, instead of that 25% chance, you now have that 45% chance. And the next year you do it, you now have a 65% chance. And to be honest, once you have a 65% chance, most of the times you're going to get what you want. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And mm-hmm. so even though you have that, you know, there are people who made that 5% in the first like first year, second year, third year. By the time you get to the later stages of your career and you've been putting in that work, that work starts being like noticed more and more. And, you know, results from that work start being realized more and more. And it does, it's not necessarily a linear outcome. You know, you might go three years without like the results of your hard work being apparent, right? Um, there are a lot of musicians that, you know, they, they grind super hard and like for years and years. And then, you know, like they don't get their lucky break until four or five years. And when they have that one hit song that hits number one on Billboard, right? Mm-hmm. And that doesn't mean that, you know, only the work for that song is what mattered, right? It means that it's been accumulation of a lot of hard work. And I think, you know, stoicism teaches you that, you know, focus on the things you can control, focus on that hard work, and then, you know, worry about the results later. And those results are, are bound to come. Um, and sure. yeah, I'm sure you have some thoughts on that, but I want to kind of pivot the conversation to, uh, another topic that, um, uh, just in the interest of time, but another topic that I think was like really important from what you said, um, and kind of le- lends itself to this idea of like hedging uncertainty and hedging all these kind of competing voices around you. And mm-hmm. that's stoicism and the art of portfolio intervention. So oh. <laughs> for all you investment bankers out there listening, um, I was actually talking to a friend about, you know, this topic and I told them I was doing, I was doing this topic and they suggested that I read this article published by, uh, Burgundy asset management, which is like a pretty big asset management firm. Um, and it's about stoicism and the art of portfolio intervention. Um, but, and basically the, the, the premise is Warren Buffett and other successful quality and value investors have given us a capital compounding system that works, you know, value investing works. It's been proven multiple, multiple times, but few follow the program. Um, and so, uh, and I'm quoting directly in this issue of the view from Burgundy, we'll outline some reasons why so few mimic these great investors. For those who want to, we will suggest some investing principles that will be agreed upon before implementing a similar approach. Finally, we will use these principles to develop a portfolio intervention protocol to help us execute the system on a day-to-day basis. Um, and, you know, I highly recommend the read and we'll link it in, in the description of this episode. But it kind of centers on the idea that 90, 90% of people think they're better than average drivers. For some reason, everyone thinks they can beat the average, right? Like everyone thinks that they're so much better than average and, you know, value investing works, but, you know, I can choose stocks. I can do this. I can do that. Um, but really, you know, it's, it's not, that's not true, right? Like how can 90% of people be better than average drivers? The, then the average wouldn't be where it is, right? So the Dunning-Kruger um, effect applied yeah, to this, right? Yeah, exactly. Do you want to explain that effect for those of you who might not um, The Dunning-Kruger effect just briefly is basically... Um, you're, so people who are don't really aren't really as well versed in a topic um, because of their ignorance think they know everything there is to know about a topic just because they don't realize like the sheer immensity of what there is to know um, and of course like those who are more well versed like in the field realize like 
oh well there's like way so much that still to be discovered etc etc and um, yeah so the dunning-kruger effect basically just describes that the the ignorance yields um perceived mastery of a con- mm-hmm. of a concept i think it's kind of like the the, op- the how i like to think of it is the opposite of imposter syndrome where like you, you really yeah. haven't done anything <laughs> and you think you're sick of it um, yeah, but yeah, yeah investing is a, is a great field where that applies a lot um but yeah just going to quote again from the article Think of how good it would feel to be indifferent to the vast majority of investment hype and noise around you. A useful model for that is the Stoics, especially those who lived in the first few centuries AD and were led by Epictetus. By understanding what was... Epictetus. Did I pronounce that, did I pronounce that wrong? Oh, my bad. <laughs> <laughs> by understanding what was irrelevant and outside their control, you know, like spelling and, and pronunciation outside of my control. So I'm going to focus on what I can't control, which is the words in front of me. So by understanding what was irrelevant and outside their control and learning to ignore it, the Stoics were able to lead willful lives characterized by self-control and fortitude. By being totally indifferent to anything that wasn't within their control or relevant, they were able to live lives filled with tranquility, fearlessness, and freedom. And that manifests itself in, you know, in the Burgundy article through four investment principles. Uh, having long-term horizons... Understanding that earning equity returns means holding equity, um, choosing stocks based on quality and value, and buying and holding. And those are the sort of the four principles that we talk about. And this is an episode on investing, so maybe we won't get too deep into those specific strategies. But I think it's just like such a fascinating world where uh, stoicism has kind of infiltrated. And it's funny, too, because you don't really think of the investment banker as the embodiment of Marcus Aurelius's teachings. Um, mm-hmm. But it, it's crazy how that's kind of infiltrated um, even that world. I mean, like, if you think about it, also, by no means should you take any investing advice from us. I just want to throw that out there. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That's a, a good point. A little <laughs> if you do, like, you're, you're being, like, that's that's on you. That's on you. <laughs> um, but, like, you know, I feel like especially considering how volatile um, investing can be, depending on what you're investing in, um, mm-hmm. it's a perfect... Um, it's a perfect battleground, I guess, for um, Stoics, you know? Like, being able to take dispassioned... Um, uh, uh, dispassion like make dispassion moves um, within the investing realm um, that's going to be a superpower especially like now when you know everything's just dropping you need some diamond hand boys um, <laughs> that's for all the wall street bets um, homies out oh, there yeah. on reddit oh yeah and great uh, subreddit if you don't follow it we can link that yeah. in the description <laughs> actually I no, don't, not I don't that know. we suggest taking investment advice from definitely do not take it, investment advice clear, from yeah. them man like <laughs> Um, or from us yeah let's just be very clear but anyways also apologize in advance for the language that they use it's not for the faint of heart (laughs) um but yeah so yeah definitely like being able to set this one goal for yourself and be able to keep following the steps that you laid to able uh, to be able to achieve that goal that financial goal um despite being in the face of overwhelming odds so, you know, a lot of people are facing massive losses um, on their portfolio recently. But for those people who did have those long term horizons, you know, it's best to just keep going um, and investing like, as 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 a business as usual is happening, um, mm-hmm. because, you know, it will pick up eventually. It might take a really long time, but it, it I mean, it always recovers. Right. And mm-hmm. if it doesn't recover, then, you know, you don't really need to worry about your money because we're probably just going to be in a state of anarchy and. Yeah, yeah, I mean, no, do exactly. you see that? Do you see that target getting like robbed? I did, I yeah, did. That's a whole discussion. Looted. I would love to have a discussion on that too. Just kind of the protests and riots happening right now. But I yeah. had a, had an interesting conversation with a couple of friends about it. But maybe we'll leave oh, that for, for another episode. Yeah, yeah. And we should do one too on just like 
dystopian or like nihilistic outcomes definitely yeah yo let us know in the in the the comments of our post if you uh if you think we should talk about a certain topic for sure but yeah yeah for sure um do you want to go to do you have another point on the book or um no i well there's there's kind of two more um points that i had like that were kind of takeaways from the book and that was avoiding indulgence and sensory affections and that's actually Mm -hmm. uh kind of ties into one of my last points which was one of the critiques of stoicism that i found online um and it's like kind of like a commonly held one um well there is rebuttals against it too but basically the idea is you know uh we shouldn't be hedonistic i.e we should you know strive to distance ourselves from like pleasure and short-term gratification and focus on long-term gratification or you know long-term outcomes and things like that that's Mm -hmm. one of the central tenets of stoicism and it's also i think one of the central tenets of western society um you know there's that classic study with the babies where they give the baby a cookie and they're like if you don't eat this cookie in 10 minutes i'll give you another cookie but if you eat it you only get this one um it's like on two-year-olds or something like that Mm -hmm. and there's like a huge huge positive correlation between the babies that are able to uh, delay that gratification and the babies that aren't able to and apparently the babies that are able to delay that gratification are massively more successful in their life or whatever it is mm-hmm. um and maybe you can link that study too but yeah i think western western society um and to an extent eastern society as well is kind of based on this foundation that um sacrifice the short term for the long run right it's a, it's a part of our christian ideals in terms of like getting into heaven and like not like fornicating it's part of you know work ideals in terms of like studying in school like for for a number of years sacrificing things like parties and then being compensated with a higher paying job and you know a more fulfilling life for um, sure and so i think this is one of the critiques of stoicism is that you know when when you're not allowing yourselves to be caught up in these emotions in pleasure in excitement in anger are you not um, limiting your your experience of the human reality like are we not losing part of our humanity to that um and there's a really really interesting discussion i found on reddit that kind of talks about this too uh, and r slash stoicism is huge Ooh. so whoever okay. yeah whoever is interested in in you know reading a little bit more about that I would recommend that subreddit too um but um there's like a, a pretty big rebuttal to it and the rebuttal is um that let's say there's like a a, a eight-year-old boy and a 45-year-old man who is his father right and the eight-year-old boy you know kind of gets caught up in these emotions he gets really excited he gets really angry you know when he gets his favorite ice cream he has a ton of pleasure like blah 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 and this 45-year-old man you know as somebody who's like been honed through experience and you know seen like most of the world and like whatever it is blah 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 you know he still has pleasure and he still has excitement and those things but it's in a much more tempered fashion and that's kind of like stoicism's central rebuttal to this like Yes, you know, there are these human experiences and they are a natural part of being a human and our reality as human beings. And, you know, there are parts of humanity that we should embrace, but the way that we do that is in a tempered way. And so we don't allow ourselves to be overcome by these. And if anything, we believe that there's more beauty in having this tempered reaction to something and still experiencing it fully, but not allowing ourselves to be overwhelmed by it. And that's kind of like the central rebuttal to it in stoicism. Um, yeah. yeah i don't know yeah. if you have some thoughts no i was gonna say because like um even before you mentioned the rebuttal like my mind immediately yeah. went to like that foundational tenet we were talking about like perception right mm-hmm. um the perception allows us to understand what is and isn't wrong um mm. and so like with the like the whole like the passions or like, pursuing like a more hedonistic thing it takes being able to understand so i mean like and this ties into habit forming too so it, when it goes to eating that donut, right? 
um the consequences shout of, out Krispy Kreme <laughs> yeah, uh, the Sponsor consequences us. of oh man iced coffees and Krispy Kreme <laughs> oh yes bro oh, yes man. please um but yeah so the consequences of a good habit are in the present or in the near term the consequences of a bad habit are in the long term hmm. and understanding that so keeping that mindset when you're looking at whether or not you should um allow yourself to indulge in those like pleasures uh, it takes being able to have that perception and understand what you're getting yourself into right so understanding that certain things like you know like going for that kiss uh with your crush or whatever it is you know like <laughs> some of those things you know it's worth it you know it's whatever just shoot your shot and other things realize like okay maybe you shouldn't take that take those extra drinks you know like maybe one drink mm-hmm. is enough for the night um yeah. you need to be able to have clarity and understand the consequences of the actions that you're going to be um enacting mm-hmm. so yeah, yeah i yeah no, i was just gonna say because like yeah I, I i think a lot of people confuse or can misconstrue some of the tenets of stoicism and think that okay we're not allowed to be able to enjoy these like the pleasures the sensual pleasures of life but it's mm-hmm. not true and it isn't this like philosophy that um crafts this bleak kind of colorless life that you live mm-hmm. it really is um and it's not necessarily intuitive but like a recipe for for happiness right like um, if you think back on like some of the happiest moments in your life, those really are like simple moments, you know, like you were sharing it. I mean, like maybe it was just, you know, making out with your crush. Uh, <laughs> you're, you're just, you know, you're at a sushi date with your boys, you know, you're just. Oh, my God. Don't even, even talk about that, bro. Not now. <laughs> Not now. Or even just like shooting around at like the local basketball nets. Like, All it, things you are... can't do right now. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Thank I know, you I know. very but, much. Like, um, uh, or. Or, uh, shit, I'm trying to think of one that's relevant right now. Hopping on a video call with your boys. Hopping on a video <laughs> call with your boys, yeah. Uh, but, you know, they, they were all such simple moments. And, you know, I think that's the biggest endgame to Stoicism. It's something a lot simpler. And that is that Stoicism is a philosophy of happiness at the end of the day. And it takes being able to... Um, play life by your own rules that allows it to be such a philosophy of happiness. You're not playing it by anybody else's rules. You're deciding what you get to enjoy. You're deciding what you don't need to waste your energy on. And there's, you know, I I can't imagine life more beautiful than that of a stoic, you know, by, by that definition. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I don't know. I I think that's a pretty good point to end it on unless you have some other thoughts. No, that, that that's a pretty good way to end it and i think mm-hmm. the only other thought that i had was kind of surrounding this idea of virtue and that was the other kind of main critique of stoicism that i saw and like what is virtue what is nature like what is this like higher ideal that we should strive to and i think one of the beauties of stoicism is that you know some of the older stoics do attempt to answer this and like have opinions on this but in my opinion the beauty of stoicism is that that's a plug and play piece that you can input into this like like you said like it's based on your own software perception it's based on your own value system it's based on the things you want to get out of stoicism and you know power to the people right like let let the people choose what they want let yourself like you know embody the values that you want to embody and as long as you're being intentional about that and you know you have a self-realization and that perception you take Mm -hmm. those actions to kind of like embody these values and you have the will to continue on with that then you know that is your philosophy 
Beautiful. Um, I just also, if you're too lazy to take a look at the show notes, um, I also want to quickly plug um, Ryan Holiday. So he's yes, one of the... Yeah. I, I had him in my notes too, but I, I don't know how we didn't talk about him. But I don't know. <laughs> well, we talked about like what he's passionate about. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, if you want a, um, a more in-depth look at um, stoicism and the, the way you're able to apply it like, in your day-to-day life, I highly recommend checking out the Daily Stoic, either the Instagram page or the Do- Daily Stoic podcast. Or mm-hmm. any any one of um, Ryan Holiday's books, um, they are wildly successful and influential, and you know people are using it everywhere from the military to um, business and even in professional sports. Mm-hmm. So this is something applicable to you, regardless of what walk of life you're coming from. Definitely, yeah. yeah. Check out Ryan Holiday's books. Um, you know, check out the resources we looked in this podcast, and yeah, let us know how you've you you've applied stoicism to your life and what kind of changes it's made in your life. We'd be mm-hmm. happy to hear. Absolutely. And with that, I wish you guys adieu. Farewell. Cheers. <laughs>